Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mechadon here with my co-host, V. Welcome to the NBA, Mamba Mentality for Life. Today is August 21st, 2020. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We are quarantined and social distancing due to the pandemic, but we're still going to figure out a way to bring you a show at all costs. On today's show, we talk to a very special guest, Ohio State running backs coach, Tony Alford. And he talks to us about everything, man. He gets real mm-hmm. candid on this show. Yeah. He talks about, obviously, the decision of the Big Ten, Justin Fields, Zeke Elliott, J.K. Dobbins, uh, recruiting, uh, whether they want to play, what their plans are, you know, life. I mean, literally everything. It was His really- desire to be a head coach. Oh, yeah. His desire to be a head coach. It, it, it was a... Uh, Differences between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. I mean, this is just a really, really great interview. You guys don't want to miss that. We also will hit some news and notes on today's show, talking about the state of college football, which is crazy. The NBA playoffs. Uh, shout out to Jason Wright, Stipe Miocic, uh, the Tyson and Jones fight being postponed, and then WAP, a little bit of WAP. <laughs> shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Remember now that our Patreon subscribers will get our episodes on Wednesdays a night early. If you want to help keep our show on air, you can donate at www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys Podcast. Don't forget to grab some wristbands and face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and comment on Apple. Let's go. Where the Pilot Boys at? Listen to the Pilot Boys podcast. We are joined by a very special guest, Ohio State running backs coach Tony Alford. Coach, thank you for joining us on the show. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, definitely, man. Right now is obviously a crazy time um, in America, uh, internationally, and then obviously more specifically with college football. And you're starting to see some of those issues that you know are happening kind of nationally start to overlap. Um, with other issues that are happening, obviously, with college football. And, you know, the big one now is obviously Ohio State being essentially locked out of football for this fall uh, as a result of the Big Ten's decision. And obviously, the Pac-12 has also followed. And just kind of college football being in flux and and a lot of the decisions and um, understanding behind why certain things are happening is not clear. And, you know, there's just a lot that hasn't necessarily been cleared up yet. But before we get to the kind of the decision itself, I wanted to talk to you kind of about what it's like to be a coach at this moment, particularly when you have guys um, that are on the team now who want to play and, you know, who want to see what's going to happen with the season. And then also you have recruits that are coming in and people that you're talking to to try to get them to come to Ohio State. How have you been dealing with that? First of all, you know, it is tough. It it, is unprecedented times, as as I've told people. And, um, you know, I've been on the sideline as a ball boy, a player, a coach, since I was five years old. And, and so 46 years worth of, you know, being on the sidelines in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah, this is hard. You know, these are hard times, but at the same time, you know, I tell people we have to make sure that we keep things in perspective. Um, and we just can't jump off the highest perch either. Um, yeah. You know, we have a young man in our office, um, Justin Perez, who, who works in our recruiting department. His son, Peyton Six, 
and he was just about a week, maybe two weeks ago, was diagnosed with, with uh, leukemia. Mm. So, you know, and, and you know, I know you're a father. I've seen you on, on Twitter with your son and whatnot. And I'm not sure what you'd be, but I got three sons of my own. And, you know, you want to talk about something that will put you back on your heels. Um, that's something that happened to one of your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, that's so, that, so my point of it, that, that conversation, just to keep things in perspective. Um, yeah. At the same time, as it relates to our players, um, we've asked our players to lead and, and they've done an amazing job. We've asked our kids to stay focused and locked in and, and everything that we've asked our players to do, they've done it and they've done it to mm-hmm. the best uh, potential that they could. And, and so we're very appreciative of that. And, um, but they are frustrated and they're angry, they're confused. Um, and those are all real feelings and those are, those, and, those, and we honor those and they're allowed to have those feelings as they should. And, and they are able to, to verbalize those feelings. Um, but at the same time, understand that there's some, there's certain things that we can't control. And if it's out of our control to understand that we can't, um, we can't quit. Um, we can't quit speaking out either, but we just can't quit. And, and we got to stay as positive as we can and focus on the task at hand and, and so that when we are able to play, whenever that time is, that our mind will be in the right place so we can go and do those things. And, and the same thing with our recruits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is not an indictment on any school and particularly in the Big Ten. Right. Um, so I know that the narrative may be out there recruiting other schools saying, see, they don't want to play football up there. I mean, come on. What are, right. we, what are we talking about? I mean, right. Ohio State will play anybody in any parking lot and not worry about it. So, <laughs> right. You know, so. Right. Um, and so it just, you know, making sure that um, the narrative coming out of here, out of our particular offices, is that, hey, man, we're doing all we can do to play. Um, and we can't wait to get you guys here. We still want you to be a part of this football family, this great football family and culture that we have. And, and we shall play again. It's right. not that it's, I mean, this thing isn't getting blown up. We're going to play again. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of when. And, and uh, so we just got to be prepared to, to do that. And, and lastly, you know, your sons, my sons, our children, our players, they look, up, they look to us leaders as, as fathers, as parents, as, as coaches. They're looking to us for leadership. And if we can't stay positive, and if we can't, you know, I didn't say not be upset. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if we can't be positive and if we can't to, to, to push them forward, to keep moving forward, boy, we're going to have a problem. And, and, and that's, where it comes with, that's what comes with great leadership that we have with Coach Day. Yeah. yeah this, this has been kind of a ongoing thing, right, that you guys have dealt with as a team, starting with spring football, right? The spring game that's was right. canceled. That's right. Um, can you take give us a little insight in this timetable for you as coaches and as a staff in how you've kind of communicated with your players? Did you always communicate the potential that the season might be postponed and that, that there was a likely chance of that? Or was it more, let's just prepare like we're going to have a season? Yeah, you know, that's what it was. It's going to prepare as if we are having it. Um, okay. You know, I kind of use this analogy if we can go with it or not, no, if it's not, no disrespect. It's kind of like being a fireman. Hopefully there's not, you know, if there's not a fire, you may sit there for a little while. And you, mm-hmm. But when there is one, you better be ready to go. Yeah. And, and yeah. so we really just kind of prepared to play. And, um, you know, during the spring when they when they canceled spring ball, and there was there was numerous, numerous Zoom meetings um, and leadership meetings and, and times where the players were kind of teaching in the Zoom meeting and they were kind of the instructors, if you will, and right. just keeping them engaged in the game and talking the game. Um, then we moved into the summer months that we're in now and um, 
So our guys have been great. Like I said, anything we've asked them to do, they've done it, and they've gone over over the top with it. And and so we're fortunate that our players are, are that locked in. Um, they're 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 leaders. Um, you got a bunch of grown men in there, and, and the yeah. culture is great. And the culture is great, and they and they police one another. Um, so our our program. Our culture is as strong as it could possibly be, and and um, that's a testament one to to what Urban built years back, and then what Ryan has has since moved on and moved forward with it. And but really, it starts with it, you, you go in the locker room with the type of kids we have and the type of homes that they come from. So that, that brings me kind of to an interesting thing because I obviously know that you know you guys want to play, right? All the coaches yeah. want to play, all the players want to play. That's not really a question. So if I ask you, what did you think about the decision? I already kind of know that answer. <laughs> how about how about you ask the question? I'm gonna say uh, the next question. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but but there is something that's unique, and you touched on this a little bit about this scenario to me, and, and V and I have talked about this offline, which is that at some point, right? It seems as though there's there's got to be a balance between, you know, obviously fighting for your players and 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 fighting for a season, but then also you know, representing the Big Ten, right? Because the big, and, and kind of being in solidarity with the Big Ten, because at the end of sure. the day, Ohio State's not going to leave the Big Ten, right, over no. this. No. And so you don't want to do too much to make your conference look bad, per se, in the public eye and have recruits not want to necessarily come play there. But at the same time, you want to be shown to be fighting for what your players' interests are. How, are you, how do you even reconcile those and how, how are you even balance those? How am I balancing them? Yeah. Um, if, I think if you were to ask my players and if you were to ask um, the guys that I've recruited, shit, if you were to ask my own children, um, I'm a pretty transparent guy, you know, mm -hmm. and I kind of call it what it is and, and I'll tell you kind of, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think and um, don't have to agree with it. Right. You know, we can as men can agree to disagree, but I, I, I'm pretty adept at speaking my mind. Sometimes that can be detrimental. But um, but at the same as, as you're saying, you do. There's a fine line. And, and mm -hmm. um, you know, do we want to play? We absolutely do. And we're very vocal about that. Mm -hmm. But we also understand that that um, it's not solely our decision. Mm -hmm. and, and just like anything else that happens in, in the free world, there's some things that just are not your decision. And and um I'm so far down. I mean, I'm so far down the food chain. This thing is so so far above my pay scale that that I can jump up and down all I want. Then right. it's not going to matter, good or bad. And um, but I do. You know, we're in we're in a conference. We're in one of the I believe the best conference in the country, and debatably, and it depends who you talk to. And um, that's not going to change. And um, um, and so we're not going to allow this these decisions to define us. And, and like I said, you know, we'll, we'll um, keep our head above it. And, and you stay above the cut and stay positive because that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what's your alternative? Quit. I mean, come on. Right. It, you know? it, so I'm sorry, but go ahead. No, go ahead. It, it, it seems as like one of the biggest points of contention that you guys kind of have with the conference and the parents and the players have is a lack of clear communication, right? So I wanted to ask you about that in terms of how this decision was communicated to you guys as a coaching staff, as an athletic program, were there epidemiologists? Because we are in the Big Ten. It's not just a football conference. You have some of the smartest scientists, some of the smartest epidemiologists, Correct. some of the smartest doctors within the conference as resources. Correct. Do you feel like you guys are being communicated or, or, or they are communicating to you guys to the conference? And that co communication is filtering down to all the levels properly. 
Well, you know, I, I can only I can only communicate as what as what I'm told specifically from Ryan Day, our head coach. Okay. And and so for me to say what's going on at the higher ups, uh, I, I I would be unfair and unjust for me to to say or even pass judgment. And I know that may sound like a company answer, but it's real. I I don't know. I if if, if Mr. Warren were sitting if, if if the commissioner was standing in front of me, I gotta be honest. I don't I, I, I wouldn't I don't know him. So I can't yeah. speak disparagingly about anybody that said or done anything because I don't know. Um, I've been charged. Here's what I've been charged with. Okay. To be the best position coach that I possibly can be and to recruit the best possible student athletes to Ohio State. And and I'm working diligently at that. And I'm and I'm working diligently to to help develop and mentor my players to be elite in every category of their life. Um, and when they say, hey, we're going to shut this thing down, okay, we're going to shut it down. When they say, okay, Tony, it's time to come back, here we go, then okay, here we go. Yeah. And, and, right. and I got to be honest, I don't ask a lot of questions. That's good. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ask a bunch. And, and that may sound like, well, you don't care. I do care. I care deeply. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I was charged with doing a certain job, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do that job to my fullest. Um, and then when the, when, the, when the dynamics or the, the assignment changes, let me know what it is, and then we'll go after that one. And that's right. kind of how I, that's, that's quite frankly kind of how I live my life right now, mm-hmm. different. And, yeah. and so, and that's not to put your question off V, but I, but I don't know. I, I mean, those doctors are way above my, they're way above my, yeah. my, my thought level. I mean, they started yeah. using language. I wouldn't know what they were talking about anyway. So, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> that, um, so, so I hope that answers your question or not. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, he mentioned, you mentioned something that I, I kind of wanted to transition to a little bit too, which is, is recruiting and, you know, obviously being the best coach that you can be. And, you know, obviously, you know, through your tenure, you've had great success. And then there was a small period of time where people started to criticize. I'm sure you heard it. Um, no. whether, <laughs> whether or not you could recruit the best and what was happening to Ohio State's running backs and all that stuff. And then, you know, you hit them with like a one, two, three, four, five, six combination, right? And just started bringing them back, back in. And you never not, you never didn't have them, but you started bringing them in. And then the whole narrative changed. And I guess I have two questions about that. One is, how did you deal with kind of that period of adversity, knowing that deep down you didn't buy into what people were saying? And then the second question is, did you have that ha-ha moment? I, I told you so, maybe internally behind the scenes. <laughs> just keep it real, because we're human, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, yeah, those are my, my two questions with regards to that. You know, as far as um, the criticism, um, you know, the hardest part for me was just some of the stuff that my, that my children were hearing. Mm. Listen, I'm a grown man. I, I signed up for this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you take the good with the bad and, right. and there's a lot of ebb and flows with that. And, and, and so you understand that going in, but when my, own, when, when, when my sons are coming home, looking at me saying, Hey dad, what about this? Mm. And I'm like, well, who told you that? Right. <laughs> right. And, and so that was that, 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 um, that was kind of disheartening. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, to say all that, um, at least we're at a place a coach at a place that, people care enough whether you do or don't have success. Mm-hmm. You could be somewhere they could care less if you got a recruiter, care less if you got them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm not going to let someone else and someone else's, um, especially people that I don't know personally, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that, that I don't know them intimately personal like that. I'm not going to let them define how I think about me. That's never going to, that's never, ever, ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know who I am. Um, 
I know the, the, the quality of work that I, that I try to give every single day. Um, and, and, and I'm, you know, I, I think that everybody's going to do the best that they can do. And, and sometimes it, it doesn't work out and you got to go back and say, okay, what did I do? What can I do differently to make this, to kind of flip the script, if you will. It didn't come out the way I want to come out because there's nobody more competitive. I mean, no one's going to put more pressure on me than I'll put on myself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when you say, well, you know, you didn't get a couple guys recruiting, well, you lost. I, I mm. lost. Mm. And that, that I lost. And that's bothersome. Right. It's like if you lose a game, that's bothersome. Mm-hmm. And, and and so how do you get that taste out of your mouth? Well, go win a game. Mm-hmm. You know, go win, go win another recruiting battle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that's what we're working to go do, or I should say I'm working to go do. And um, But it is what it is. Like I said, you know, um, this is, just as much as they're praising you, they can – they can start slandering you in, in the same breath. So, mm-hmm. you know, take the good with the bad and, and um, never too high, never too low right. on either side of the spectrum and, and try to keep an even keel. At least I try to. I'm not saying I'm always great at it, mm-hmm. but um, I certainly try to. And, um, and as far as that aha moment, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not time right. for that, man. We, right. You know, you, you, you get it moving and um, – Got to coach know, those kids. Right. And to coach the guys. It's good. Yeah. Our recruiting is a very collaborative effort. And, um, and, and, and like I said, you know, you, you, you uh, just trying to just keep getting better every day. I wanted to ask you about your initial decision to come to Ohio State, right? You were at mm. another very tradition rich program yeah. um, at Notre Dame. What made Ohio State such an attractive? option for you and once you've gotten here what has made it feel like home because i know you were very du- deeply rooted in the program I was. You were at before yeah i was and, and a quick story um so i, I got the call on a i guess thursday night and i said we'll talk friday so friday we really started having some real deep conversations because thursday night was just too late at night when this all started to shake down i remember and, um I remember I was going to pick my kids up at school. It was late in the afternoon, and Earl Bruce calls me. The legendary Earl Bruce mm. is like, a, and he was like a second father. I played for him at Colorado State. I have his fedora hat in my office right back here. Wow! Right. And um, he calls me, and he, and he says, um, "Tony, this is Coach." And I said, "Yeah, of course, I, I know." <laughs> and he said, well, "What are you doing?" I said, well, "I'm going to pick my kids up at school." And he said, "No, Dan, what are you doing?" So what are you talking about? He goes, you know what I'm talking about. Did Urban offer you the job at Ohio State? And I said, oh, yes, sir, he did. He goes, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm thinking it over. And he goes, well, let me help you, son. <laughs> and I know if I'd been with him, he would have stuck that middle finger right in my chest. And <laughs> he said, well, let me help you, son. It's time to bring your ass home. And he said, mm-hmm. we're family. He goes, do you understand me? And I didn't answer. He said, do you understand me, Tony Alfred? And I said, yes, sir. And wow. uh, he said, okay, bye. And then he goes, oh, and my wife was sitting next to me. She was on, wearing a speakerphone. He said, bye. Then he goes, oh, good talking to you, Trina. He <laughs> said, <laughs> so we, we, we hang the phone up. And she turns and she looks at him. And she goes, so I guess we're moving. And I said, <laughs> I said yeah, you better call the realtor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, wow. So, I mean, that's that's a funny story. story. That's yeah. a funny story. But, um, but you know, I, I came here. I just um, – you know, one of the conversations that, that I've had and, and Trina and I had a conversation about it and we were sitting there and, you know, one of the things we ask our, our sons to do, one of the things I've always uh, asked all my players at every level and every school I've ever been to is to grow. And, and how do you grow? You must become comfortable 
being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the only time you're going to grow is if you push yourself past these different limits where, and you get out of your comfort zone. And I was very comfortable at Notre Dame. I love Notre Dame. It was awesome. I, I love it. The people treated me fantastic. I, I had, I had, I, I, I had really, 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 really good players. We were having success. Um, and I was comfortable, but as Trina said, well, if you really want to grow, then you got to do what you say you want our seats to do and what our, what your players to do. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But then quit saying that you want these mm. other things. Mm-hmm. And most people that, you know, and again, I'm, um, I think I'm, I'm pretty headstrong and stubborn, but if most people had said that to me, I'd have looked at them and wanted to swing at them. Right. And, and it, but it was sitting there looking at my wife and I said, damn, she's right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was, that was really a, a main portion of it that I said, you know, if I got to step out on this ledge a little bit and, and then, um, you know, I, Urban was an assistant coach for us at Carl State when I played. Um, you know, we talked a lot about um, in previous years, even to me coming here about, you know, my desire to one day be a head coach um, in preparation of, of leading and, and building my leadership skills and, and things like that. So what better opportunity um, and to come to a program um, like Ohio State that, that was coming off of a national championship um, is, a, is, a, is at the forefront of college football every single year. Uh, why wouldn't I do that and take that opportunity and take that leap of faith? And um, I'm glad I did. It's been, it's been, it's uh, far exceeded what even I thought it would be, to be honest yeah. with you. And that's no disrespect to any other place I've been, but this place is, is um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, so unbelievable. let me ask, let, let, yeah. let me ask you that. And it's specific to Notre Dame, but then also just kind of nationally, because I'm always curious, you know, we're, I'm born and raised in Columbus. V is from Ohio. We both went to Ohio State our view is a little bit skewed sometimes. What is the, pers- what perspective do people have nationally when it comes to Ohio State outside of Columbus, Ohio? What does Notre Dame, the program, think about Ohio State? What do the other programs you've been around <laughs> coaches think about Ohio State? Well, I know what we said about Ohio State when I coached it. I don't know what you're saying now. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, I'm out of those offices, but I can tell you that um, it wasn't real kind what we said. Yeah, I believe <laughs> but, that. I but believe we were that. direct competition. Yeah. And for sure. So a lot of it was friendly banter, but um, yeah. you know, I, I do. I think that um, Ohio State holds a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and I think during this pandemic, um, and, and during these times right now, we're finding out just how big of a voice Ohio State actually does have. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you you know, um, you, you think about the national media whenever they talk about college football, we're at the front of that conversation with a couple mm-hmm. other teams as well. Yeah. But obviously, one of the blue bloods in the in, in the in the history of this game, and um, this this thing holds a lot of weight. It does. Um, yeah. um, I think that uh, um, you know, one of the largest alumni bases in in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a humongous following. But again, I think it also helps when we have kids like we have that um, they are leaders, and and when you listen to our guys talk, you know, they're thoughtful and and um, they're prepared and. Um, they're respectful and and they looked apart, um, and then they go on to the next level. And, and I won't say all of them, but we have great success with guys at the next level too. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I, and I don't think you can look at this place and say, well, it's just a football factory. That's all it is, because that's one of the that's one of the things that people would say about us. Oh, it's just a big, big football factory. They don't care about the kids as people. Um, they don't prepare them for life after football, and and on and on and on and on and on. Or find out that that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think if you were to ask our players if we care about it, I think if you were to ask our parents, do we care about them um, as young men and as people, as individuals, 
they would come off they would come up off their chairs so fast and, and and i can say that when you look at the parent group that we had the parent letter and all the parents that jumped onto this thing about petitioning to play and and, and to the commissioner what parent in their right mind is going to put their children in harm's way none of us are which just speaks to the trust um, that they've afforded us with their children and, and um, so that's kind of some of the things that I, that I found about this place that this is a, this is a special place and um, our fan base is, is rabid now our fan base is real <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I mean they are real real mm -hmm. and, and they're vocal about it yeah and um, I know a lot of people say oh they're so obnoxious no they're not. I think they're great <laughs> I think they're I think they're the best and I mean if you're going to be involved in college football why would you not want to be involved in a place like this Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you guys, you guys grew up here. You know mm -hmm. it. You guys have right. more games than I've been to. <laughs> you know, right. But, right. but why would you not want to be a part of something that that people are so passionate about? Mm -hmm. You know that guy. Yeah. I don't know if you know Tennessee Jeff, and and uh, he yeah, sat yeah. outside. I, this guy drove up from Centerville High. Was outside of practice, like the third, the last practice we had. I walked up to him. And he's in tears. I mean, the guy's in tears. Yeah. You know, he's fanatical about it, and. You know, you got, I mean, you know, the buck nuts that are everywhere. So this place is, this place is unbelievable. I'm very blessed and honored to be able to, to uh, work in a place like this. I wanted, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned in my last question about how you had a conversation with Urban knowing that you wanted to be a head coach eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And we keep hearing this from the guys and the, the coaches all the way down to the design team, that Urban really cares about what your goals are, right? Um, versus, you know, there are other programs who want to try to keep their coaches around forever, you know, and not let them go. But if you look at Urban's coaching creep from everywhere he's gone, he encourages everyone to have their own ambition and their own goals. Um, I just wanted you to to talk a little bit about that and how special that is versus some other people. I'm not going to say any names, but <laughs> other people you might have worked for or with that didn't have that same mindset. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that is unique, and and um, you know, Ryan's built the same way, but but Urban was definitely built that way, and and um, you know, he goes so far to say if you don't aspire to have, be a head coach or aspire to grow in, into further along in the career, I don't want you. I've heard him say that numerous times. Why do I want you if you don't want to grow and be better? Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this too. So and so in 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 that growth process, so he is going to push you. To no mm -hmm. to to no end. I mean, mm -hmm. he is all over everything, mm -hmm. and and there is no detail that's too small. There is no stone that's not going to be unturned, and it might be turned over two or three different times. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. You know, um, and and the old adage we use is like fourth and one all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's how you get better, and and, um, and and that's how you continue to push yourself and you stay on edge, and and so. But but I remember I, I've known the guy since I was what twenty years old, so I, I mean I get it. Right. You know, and Earl and Earl was very similar to that, and um, and Ryan is that way too, to you know in his own way. So um, so I, I do I admire that, um, but I also think that people have to do things and coach in their within their own personalities, mm -hmm. and you form your own way of doing things, and to say which way is right or wrong. Um, uh, how can you judge that? I mean, each man will have six, you know, especially the guys who've been successful. There's been a bunch of different ways guys have been successful and they've done it in their own way, shape and form. And, and that's Urban's way. But, um, but no, I, I'm honored that, that um, you know, that, that I've learned, I've learned so much. I have learned so much since I've been here. And I told Urban that, and, um, and I've told Ryan that too. I've learned so much 
not just as a football coach, but as a person, as a man. And I've grown a lot um, as a football coach, as a man, as a father. I've grown a lot since my yeah. time here in Columbus. And a lot of that is attributed to, to our work. Well, you've touched and you just touched on it. And I was going to ask you this actually later, but I think it's a good time now. So just some of the differences between Urban and Ryan. I mean, obviously, they're both successful in their own right, but stylistically, they're different. And we've talked to Austin Mack and other people who've given us their opinion. So I wanted to hear yours about uh, what's the you know, difference the <laughs> I, I, I won't dive too deep into that one other yeah. than the fact that, um, you know, you talk about both of them are highly, highly, highly intense individuals. I mean, mm. you know, all you got to do with Ryan Day is go out there and Go back there in that basketball court, step on that basketball court one time in the in the back, and, and you know you start playing little games with them. I mean this 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 guy, it comes out. You know, it, it comes out quickly, <laughs> yeah. quickly, and and um, but no, and so they're both very intense individuals. That um, they both expect a lot, um, expect the best, um, demand the best as they should, and 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 so. Uh, like I said, man, I'm 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 fired up to be here, and and to have been here. I've gone six years. That's a long time for doing one place mm-hmm. in our profession. So, you know, my career has been one. Of, I mean, you think about. It, I've been at Notre Dame for six, then here for going on six. Mm-hmm. Come on now. I mean, I, I've right. had a I've had a pretty good run here. Living so the dream. I'm living the dream, man. And mm-hmm. and, um, and I've been really fortunate you know, to work for some good guys that um, that I do believe have that have had uh, genuine care for me and my family. So um, I've been very fortunate that way. I know it's a way of dancing around your question. No, <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> we, we, we can circle back. We already back know in. the answer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can circle back to, to the running backs, right? You've right. obviously had the opportunity to coach some phenomenal backs um, during your tenure here at Ohio State. Right. You know, Mecca and I, you know, we love them all, but we do think that Zeke may be the best running back we've ever seen play at the college level mm-hmm. in terms of not just skill set as a running back, but overall understanding everything from mm-hmm. pass protection um, to, to receiving to being a leader of a team. Right. 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 Um, can you just tell us a little bit? And then he transitioned to the NFL and immediate impact. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Can you tell us a little bit about the qualities that make him so special and kind of where he he fell on your list. You've coached a lot of backs before him, but when you got to interact with, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zeke, um, I was just funny cause I was talking about just to somebody just this morning in the office. Um, you know, I was talking to Wyatt Davis cause he asked me, we were talking about it just this morning actually. And you know, Zeke was, um, I mean, physical, I mean, would try to knock your head off you, but he, and he practiced that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, he was such a physical presence and had physical dominance about him um, that I had never been around mm. from a running back's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't take, he, uh, that kid never took a playoff, didn't take a day off um, and, and um, loves the game of football, you know, and, and um, so uh, I would say that's the thing that I think really set him apart is his physicality in every facet of his game. Mm-hmm. You throw in a special teams clip from when he was a freshman or sophomore, the guy's running downfield knocking cats out. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's a star too. I mean, this guy's a number one rate of run right now. He's running down the field trying to decapitate guys. <laughs> you know, so right. oh, it just talks about the kid plays so hard and he's so violent. He is a violent, violent football player. And that's probably the thing that stood out the most. And, and he studied the game. 
Mm-hmm. He's very, he's very, he has a very high football IQ, um, and, and he really studied the game and, and, and wanted to, he wanted to be the best, and yeah. it worked that way. And, then, and I'm going to ask a follow-up question to that too, because you know, obviously, I, and I agree with V. Zeke is to me is the best I've ever seen, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I've we've seen a lot, so I'm not just saying that, right? No, and I've seen a lot even lot. just at Ohio State, right? So right. even if I was just choosing from Ohio State, there's competition there. But then you follow up with J.K., right? And J.K. has his own kind of unique skill set. And so I wanted to ask kind of the same question to you about J.K. What was it that made him special? And how do you think he's going to fare in Baltimore? Well, first, I'll I'll, I'll answer the second question first. I think he's going to fare great. I think that he's going to have a guy that can mentor him in the NFL game and Mark Ingram. Mm -hmm. He's had great success, but he's getting up in age a little bit in the game. Um, I think he's in an offense that is conducive for him. It's very similar to some of the things we did. That quarterback goes without saying, I mean, how long do you want to talk about him, right. his skill set? Um, so I, I, I think he, he's in the best possible place that he could be. Mm-hmm. And, and so does he. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you talk to him, and that's the thing. Sure. He says he says the same thing, um, yeah. which was good. So we're not, you know, that, that that he's not banging his head against the wall there. Right. Um, yeah. Now, as far as I think, what makes him special again? He is a highly motivated kid. He wants. To, he. I mean, he is always on a quest to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, he really was never interested in me and hearing me tell him how, hey man, that's a great player, great runner. You did. He wasn't interested in all that. <laughs> right. If we talk for if we talk for twenty minutes. That might that might take up about thirty seconds to a minute of the conversation, mm. but then the rest of it was okay. What do I do to do to get better? And coach, yeah. what about this? And coach, what about that? You know, we would practice, and I might say something to him in the middle of a practice, and then I'd go in that night and watch film. Um, you know, we'd be there until 10, 10, 30, 11 at night. But at ten thirty-five, ten forty-five, I'd get a phone call from him or a text and say, "Hey, did you watch play numbers such and such in this part of practice? Here's what I saw. Did you see this?" Mm. we'd start watching game film and he would say, hey, coach, go to, you know, go to when Team Up North played such and such Wisconsin, go to play 16. I want you to look at this, watch how he did this. And so mm-hmm. that tells you that he studies a lot of film. Mm-hmm. He, was, he, was, he was in the film room a lot. You know, JK and I would meet every Monday for, for three and a half years. We met every Monday for about 45 minutes to an hour. Mondays are their day off in the season. Right. Yep. And and he wanted to talk about, because we'd already watched the game from, from the week before we watched that on Sunday. He wanted to talk about, we would quickly talk about the upcoming game, who their players were, you know, scouting report stuff, if you will. But then he wanted to talk about leadership and how he can be better, not just as a player, but as a leader of men. Mm. Um, you know, he's a guy, he, he's a kid that, you know, he's got a really much, much, much younger brother, but he, so he's pretty much a single child. Um, as far as that goes. And so he really wanted to, how can I lead better? And so we talked about that a lot. Um, and, and, um, just the dynamics of how he go, how he could go about it within his own personality. And, um, so he and I are, as you, I mean, it's chronically, he and I are freakishly close, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, he's almost like a son to me. Okay. Um, but, but I would say just that he's hungry I mean, he wants to be the best and he would, you know, if you've been in our building, you know, you've been in it on the walls in each room. They have all the All-Americans mm-hmm. and all the really, mm-hmm. really good players and, and throughout the history of that position in that position group room. J.K., I swear to God, every day he would look at that. He would look and stare at that wall mm. and he would stare at that wall for a couple minutes every single day. And he'd mm. say, I'm going after him. And he looked at Zeke. And he did. He looked at Zeke and said, that's the guy I want to go get. Mm-hmm. 
He said, mm-hmm. if I can get if I can get my name somewhere in the books around Zeke, yeah. he deemed that as okay. I've done I've done it, and then, I he, love did. It. then he did. But and and so you know to sit up here and I, you know I, I'm everybody wants to know who's the best. Listen, they're both they're both great in their own right, mm-hmm. and they're different players, different right. dynamics, different teammates, mm-hmm. different situations. Um, you know, when you say, well, I, Zeke's the best I've ever been, Zeke has the best I've ever coached, you know, up to that point, and, and, and he is, I, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. You know, I'm not, who, which one do you want to kick out? I'm taking them all. Right. <laughs> Luckily, they weren't there at the same time, you know, right? Exactly. All so, right, right. So we've been very fortunate. But, you know, I think Zeke somewhat helped JKB better. For sure, yeah. Because he was chasing, he was Great. always chasing something. Mm-hmm. And the way that the way that JK is built, he's going to find something else in the NFL to go chase. Yeah, maybe it's that you know you should have drafted me in the first round. Right, right, right. Um, right. Whatever it is, he's going to go find it. And he's and, and what he's waiting on, he's waiting for someone to challenge. He's waiting for somebody to say he's not good enough. Yeah, because he's going to jump on that. If I if 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 John Blow says you're not good enough, he's gonna he's gonna spin that in his own mind and his own soul oh well if everybody thinks that then well that guy's irrelevant you, I mean, you don't right. even know who this guy is well that brings me to something set. too yeah. it brings me to something too it, it, a lot of people said that he took the the clemson loss particularly hard um obviously we all did right yeah yeah uh, you know the type of guy he is i think he he almost was trying to take accountability for it is that is that kind of your sense of how he reacted he to it yeah, yeah he did 100 percent, he did yeah, and that's unfortunate too because he was such an integral part in obviously the success and even in the success in that game. And it's just you know, but that's just how he's built, you know. That's how that's how he's built different that way. And, and um, we can sit up here and you could go and say J.K. really wasn't, but he's going to look and say, no, I could have done this, 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 and this to mid the outcome of the game and change mm-hmm. the outcome of the game. And you know something, that's an edge. That, that's a guy who has an edge about him. That's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. And I'll never, and I hope that no one ever knocks that off of him because that's yeah. what makes that's what makes him who he is. Right. And if you start, I think if you strip that away from him, and anybody, everyone's got their thing. Mm-hmm. And if you strip that away from a young man, boy, you're doing him a disservice. Yeah. Now, there might be some things that need to be a little tampered down or or, or, or tempered a little bit or yeah. fine, but mm-hmm. but 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 you don't want to take a stinger away from him either. Right. And, and so he did it. He took that exceptionally. He took that game exceptionally hard. He still does. Yeah. I mean, he was here just before he uh, reported to training camp. He was here and visited and hung out with me for, came up here for a night with me and the, and the family and whatnot. And um, he's still bitter. He's yeah. still angry. You know something? Good. Mm-hmm. So am I. So are we. Yeah. Go avenge it now. Let's go avenge it. That's right. Yeah. Go avenge it. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask you now, right? Um, JK is gone. You've got two premier backs coming in, multiple, multiple premier backs coming in. You've got a roster full of talented backs. Everybody wants to be the workhorse, right? In a place like Ohio State, you got to share. How challenging is that when you've got guys that are this talented? Everybody wants to play, but there are only so many runs to go around. And then also as a coach, balancing it yourself, right? Like, do we need to have one guy be a workhorse to establish a rhythm, establish consistency, or do we need to spread it out? Right? Like, how do you, how do you deal with those challenges as a coach at Ohio State? Well, you know, first of all, you know, how do you keep the, the, you know, 
you worded it differently than some. Some may say, well, how do you keep everybody happy? Yeah. Well, first of all, we don't run a happy camp. So mm-hmm. that's the first yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Um, you will get what you earn. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when the talent's equated, there's something that's going to tip the scales. What is it? Is it, is it um, your attention in meetings or lack of attention in meetings? Is your, it's your attention or, attention or lack of attention to details. When we say step six inches over here, that doesn't mean eight inches. That means six. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, there's so many things that play into it. And, there, and then at the end of the day, it comes down to what do we need to do to win? Mm-hmm. And if that means that we've got to do it by committee, um, then fine, we'll do it by committee. It, it is what it is. At the end of the day, we're, 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 we're chalking up wins, not stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I think that our, well, not, I think I know our players have all bought into that notion because they're team guys and that's the culture of the locker room. Mm-hmm. And so, and when you recruit them, we tell them this is what it is. You're not, listen, when you walk into this building, you're not the only four or five star recruit to ever walk down that hallway. Mm-hmm. So let's not get it. Let's not get this twisted. Right. Everybody that walked down here was, was a star yeah. wherever they came from. Right. right. And so you will earn what you get. And and um, and this this you know I do I say this all the time and I make no apologies. I think our coach would echo it. Um, this will be the hardest thing when, when kids come here to play here. This will be the hardest thing they probably have ever done. Mm-hmm. But it'll also be the most rewarding thing they've ever done when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. If they and put if it, can, if they put in the right work, if they put in the work, mm-hmm. and they truly immerse themselves and buy in, yeah, this thing can can overtake you, and it becomes and it becomes you. Mm-hmm. This will become how you work, and this will become how you work in the, in, the, in the workforce, and this will become how you your intentionality in, in, in the way you the way you attack relationships, the way you attack your job. The way you attack how you raise your children, the way you attack how you play ball, that becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. And and so um, so it is a very competitive environment. Um, it's a competitive environment in our meeting rooms, competitive environment in our staff room. Yeah. We're all competing every single day, mm-hmm. and, we've, and we believe that we've con- we, we've concocted, I believe, the best staff in the country. I think we have the best players in the country, and and so we're competing every single day to be great. Um, and, and as far as to go right direct to your answer, though, to, do we have to do it with one guy or a multitude of guys? Time will tell. I, I, I don't I don't have that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to play. That's not to put it off. I'm really not. I don't know. Yeah. Because we have some very talented players. Yeah. And, and um, hey, come in here and compete. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you deserve to play, you're going to play. And, and one of the things that you mentioned earlier, much earlier in this conversation, you're talking about kind of the quality of player that Ohio State has, right? And, and a lot of different leaders. And, and one of the guys that's, you know, being talked about today really is, is Justin Fields, right? In mm-hmm. terms of his his leadership as far as, you know, putting together the petition right. and getting people activating around that and using his voice and realizing that he has a voice that at least people will listen to. Now, whether it'll change right. things, who knows, but that and, that, and that has actually drawn a bigger conversation kind of about the whole idea of college football and, and player activism and, you know, name, image, and likeness, and all of those, th- and and kind of throwing the whole conversation into you know into like a frenzy across yes. the nation. Yes. Um, in terms of what, how to even evaluate college football, when you when you think of it from that perspective, right? Do you do you how do you feel about the state of college football in terms of well, I guess in terms of activism, right? Athlete activism, and kind of like the nature of you know these conversations around unionizing and name, image, and likeness, and 
all those type of things. What, where do you stand? Yeah, on you know, I, I am of the I'm the opinion. I think that these guys should these kids should have a voice, mm-hmm. and and um, they deserve to have a voice. But that voice is earned. Mm-hmm. If you're just speaking off the cuff, saying craziness, so no, we're not listening to you. Mm-hmm. But if you're thoughtful and and, and your and your and your and, and your thought patterns are right and and um, you can tell that it's going somewhere productive, then they deserve to. It, it, Every man deserves to be heard, mm-hmm. you know. But again, um, do your opinions matter? Yeah, but but you have to earn that right and um, to be heard, and that's mm-hmm. earned by the way you act, and it's earned by by how you how, what your brand is and how you and how you present yourself, right? Um, now, as far as the name image likeness, I'm again of the opinion that yeah, I, I agree with it. Mm-hmm. I do. You know, I think is it scary? Yeah, because I don't know how you put. I don't know how you how you put a monetary value on it. I don't know how you cap it if you can cap it. I don't know how to, how do you keep it equitable if it should be equitable. So there's a lot of different things that come into play here, and um, with that, and you know, you got Title IX issues still that you're going to have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so you know it's hard. It, that that's hard, but but I do believe there's a way to do it. Now, how to do it, I don't know. Um, you know, so I don't want to be the guy that's throwing, oh, do this, but this is what, there's what's wrong with the world, but I don't have any solution. I don't want to be that right. cat either. Right, right, so, right. So, um, but I do believe that guys need to be compensated um, for their name, image, and likeness, because there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of 18 to 22 year olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys making a grip of money mm-hmm. off these kids. And, yep. and and then all of a sudden, you know, you walk around and go to Ohio State. How many fifteen jerseys are? You think right. about think about how many number one jerseys would be sitting in that stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, <laughs> I mean, but he can't, get a, he can't get a red cent, right? You know, right. so yeah. right. Um, but I, I think there's a way to do it. Um, and hopefully, the powers to be can come to some sort of um, resolution over here's how we can monitor this so that the outside agents and outside entities that are that are doing more harm than good don't get involved. Yep. Yeah. Because I think the intent's in the right place. Well, I Mm -hmm. know it's in the right place. The intent's in the right place. But how do you keep the people who don't have a good heart about them, how do you keep them out of the equation? And that's the hard part. Yeah. No, that's a a great point. I mean, I think, you know, we obviously agree that these guys should definitely have the opportunity to be compensated at least for name, image, and likeness yes. because of what you did say. And I think that there are smarter people than, than us, right, who, who deal with this type of thing, who can figure out a system, right, who can, you know, it may not be perfect, just like there's no system that's perfect. But that's I don't right. think that's enough to say, okay, because it's not perfect, let's just not do anything. No, no it's, it's too inequitable. The, the, the great thing is the conversation is happening now, and they sure. understand that change is needed, right? Yeah. One question that I had, also about dealing with players during this time, right? If there isn't a season, um, you have draft eligible seniors, right? Who are looking at this as their opportunity to showcase their skill, their big opportunity, showcase their skill at the next level. So I've got, my question is twofold. One, what do you, what is in place in terms of what is actually gonna happen to their eligibility? And two, as a coach and a staff, there are some guys who may have needed this year, but probably were already NFL ready. How do you have those conversations um, as coaches with your players? Because I know they're 
probably more disappointed than a freshman could be, right? Because especially with the and especially with the spring season potentially lurking in the back yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, those are great questions. Um, you know, as far as, as, as that goes, our guys haven't. None of them have made a concrete decision. Yeah, because you said there's some things that are still lurking in the balance mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and if we can if we can come up with an opportunity to play, you know, I know Ryan Day and our staff has put together, you know, a proposal to maybe start in January. I think that's out publicly. Um, if that could happen, where we could play something, and and, and um, that maybe they would move the draft back, and and we can play a little bit earlier than the quote, maybe kind of a a, a winter season mm-hmm. that, that filters into the spring. Then I think guys might play. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of guys are kind of just waiting to see what happens. Um, they don't have to make rash decisions right now right. across the country. It's just everybody just take a deep breath and let's see where this thing goes mm-hmm. um, before we start. You know, I mean, I, and I think we're guilty as society when something happens. We want to just lash yeah. out. Here's where we're going to go. Right. Everybody yeah. sit back here and let's just take a deep breath. Yes. And let's, let's communicate. Let's, let's, let's communicate. Let's mm-hmm. let all the dust settle. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where we lie. Right. And then we can start making some educated decisions based on all of the information, not part, mm-hmm. not parts of it, not what you think is going to happen. Right. But once all the information is laid out before us, now we can now let's sit down and make some educated decisions. And as far as our players go, we will help them. We're not going to hurt them. You know, they know that about us. Listen, if this, if here's where we're at. Here's what we got. Mm-hmm. If this is best for you to leave, then we're going to tell them you should probably leave. Yeah. And on the yeah. same side, and if it's not, well, then you probably shouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And then they got to then and their families will then make decisions accordingly. Um, and as far as, you know, uh, right now, what I'm going to do, and I think all our players or all our coaches are going to do, we're going to kind of come with individualized plans. What Master Teague needs is vastly different than what Mayan Williams needs. Mm-hmm. They're in two different places in their career. Mm-hmm. And so for me to try to, in, in this fall, to try to cookie cutter approach our players and say, well, I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to treat V just as I treat you, Michael. That's, 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 that's doing you a disservice. Right. Now, there are some things that maybe you both need and you can, we can work in unison. But if you need something different, Mecca, than you need, then I've got to make sure that I, some of our things that I'm teaching you, the way I teach you, um, some of the drills that we may or may not be doing are conducive to help develop you to 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 make your game and your skill set elite, and then flip over to UV and say, "Okay, here's what you need." Mm-hmm. And so now we got to go work more on this. Maybe maybe you need more to, to 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 catch the ball better. You need to work on pass pro better on this side. This guy needs to work on more pass receiving skills. So we've got to tailor make some things and um, and make sure that we're thinking out of the box as far as our development of our players. Because at the end of the day, our we're providing a service to them. At the end of the day, we have been charged with making them elite in every facet and, 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 make, and help make their skill sets elite. And so we've got to make sure we're identifying what those skill sets are need to be worked on, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned earlier um, your kids, right? And My three sons. Yeah, your three sons. Yeah. And, and then you also mentioned, you know, how some of your relationships with your players have been father son ish like right yeah and but and it's funny because you know when people talk about coaches and, and a lot of times in professional athletes a lot of times they just view them in that lens they don't necessarily remember like oh wait their fathers or sons or you know brothers or whatever um so the decisions that and your sons are athletes they you know so they play sports so the decisions that you make as a coach and the things that you're dealing with at, at ohio state 
are different than the decisions that you make in your in your daily life in terms of what to do with your kids and and how to respond to the pandemic and so on and so forth. So I'm curious about that. What is your view on kind of high school sports locally, right, in Ohio? In Ohio? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what should happen with that? And then number two, um, you know, and how are you dealing with that as, as a dad, I guess you could say. And then number two is kind of like, how has this pan- pandemic been for you as a dad with three kids, you know, <laughs> going to school and trying to figure out what to do there? I spent a lot of time outside smoking cigars. <laughs> I spent about three hours a day out on the boat by myself. I understand. No, I understand. It. No, seriously. Um, you know, um, my oldest son just graduated. He's going to go play football at Ohio West. Okay. And and um, I just um, we just dropped him off on Friday and moved him into his dorm. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm struggling a hell of a lot more than he is, and I'm struggling a lot more than his mom is that he's not 50 feet away from me. And I can just walk down the stairs. Right. Um, but I have the utmost respect for Tom Watson, that staff. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, um, and I'm watching the excitement of my kid. And so with that being said, that, that I have full trust in what they're doing with my son. And if they say, hey, we're going to play in the spring, and I know they're going to play in the spring, but if he said, hey, coach, we're going to play, then go play. You know, mm-hmm. I got it. Go, I'm, I'm all in. Um, the same holds true for my for my youngest son, Braden. Um, my middle son does not – he doesn't play football. He's he's more into the arts. He's, he's on competitive dance teams and, and travel teams, dance dance teams and things like that, which, which is great. Um, but as far as, like, the high school football, my son's a freshman. And uh, mm-hmm. I was sitting there watching them. They had a, they had an inner squad scrimmage on Friday night, and I'm sitting in the stands. And I wanted, I mean, honestly, I wanted to ram my face through the, <laughs> I wanted to ram my face through the bleachers. I'm like, how the hell is it? I'm sitting here watching this freshman high school have a scrimmage, and I can't, I'm not allowed to play. What is going mm-hmm. on with this? And, mm-hmm. and and so I'm good with it. I'm I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, you know, I think you know my wife may not echo. Some of, some of my sentiments and opinions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think there's inherent risk in everything you do. And and for the people that say, well, I wouldn't have my child do that. That's okay. I'm not mad at you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's your business, and and, mm-hmm. and I honor, and I would honor anybody that say that. Um, for me, I played and I've been around this game my entire life. My dad was, a, my father was a coach, so I've been around this thing since you know since I was born. Um, there's inherent risk in all that you do, and and. That's up for each individual family to decide what they will and won't adhere to or allow. And and I'm in a place right now, based on the things that I have learned, um, based on the doctors that I have talked to, and particularly our doctors, um, that, okay, here's where we're at. Now, if our doctors were to come in and say, here's, you know, Dr. Borchard and our staff would say, here's why you're not playing, and here's why you're not doing what you're doing, um, and I could really gravitate and understand that, then I'd say, I'd, then I'd probably say, well, listen now, mm-hmm. the, our doctors have said this. Right. And, and so, I, I'm, and again, I'm not a doctor. I, I'm, I'm not into that science field, but there are doctors I trust. Right. So you do respect the, sci- the science aspect of this, right? I have 100% respect mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, when they say, okay, you can go, well, if I can go, you can go. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Right. Um, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm right or wrong, 
But if Doctor if Doctor Borchers and our and our and our team of doctors who I think are phenomenal, um, you know, um, I can like Notre Dame's practicing to this day. I know those doctors exceptionally well. When those doctors say, "Hey, you got the green light," then I'm just I'm gonna look at my own children and say, "Well, you got the green light too, brother. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's go." Right, um, and that's no disrespect to anybody who doesn't feel that way. That you know, mm -hmm. each man is own. That's not that's not downplaying or or, or saying that the science that would you know Fauci and all the other doctors are saying. I'm not downplaying any of that. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with the people that that I'm comfortable dealing with, mm -hmm. and 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 so that's where I'm okay. And again, if someone's not in that boat, that's okay. Uh, that, that doesn't make anybody right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But you asked me where I was at yep. with my sons, and um, you know my sons are my most prized possessions. Yeah, and there's some. There's one. Th Again, at the same time, I understand there are inherent risks to. There's there's some inherent risk to everything you do. There's an inherent risk when I get in my car and I I drive. Yeah, you know. I don't know if that answers that or not, but I, yeah, no. It's a, good, I, it's, it's, a, it's a great answer. Um, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned earlier about your desire to be a head coach. And this is going to be a question that I think is, is, is very important to ask because we've seen in the last couple of years, if you look at your resume as a player spending 12 years total at two of the most elite programs in the country, the qualifications are clearly there. The resume is clearly there. This became a big topic of discussion last year in the NFL hiring after January when all these openings came up and Eric B couldn't get a job yeah. despite being the offensive coordinator of the most prolific offense in the NFL. Yeah. The, the unique, could you speak to at least the, and the times we're in right now, the unique challenges of being a minority and having to kind of have a higher bar than everyone else to get that opportunity and how you've wrestled through with that through your career, because everyone has dealt with it to different yeah. degrees. It's all about how you respond to it. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you about that and give you an opportunity just to speak on it from your, your particular experience. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that, that's, that's a, that's a touchy conversation um, that can get volatile and, and get people heated on both sides of it. Yeah. And I'm respectful of that. Um, you know, as far I can only speak from, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Eric Bien and I are very good friends. And, you know, he played at Colorado, St. Thomas at Colorado State. So we've been friends since we were 18 years old. And what a great football coach he is. And, and his time's coming, there's no doubt. His time's coming. And, and um, you know, and as far as I go, I like to think that um, timing is everything. Um, and I have to, I have to believe in my heart that when it's my time, it'll be my time. Um, do I wish it was maybe earlier? And yeah, okay, but but it isn't. And mm -hmm. much like I was saying when we first started talking an hour ago about you control the things you can control, mm -hmm. and and I can speak about it, and I can continue to 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 to, to try to prepare myself to the best of my abilities, um, and I can put myself in position. Um, but if it doesn't happen, I guess you know I have to be careful that that I don't allow. I don't allow me not being head coach to define me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times in my younger years and coach, I'm 51 years old now in my younger years, I allow those type of things to define me. 
or so I thought they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, that's not going to listen, whether I become a head football coach or not, at the end of the day, that better not define who I am as a man. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that what's going to define me as a man or look at my three sons, you know, and then how are they doing? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and and I hope that, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Zeke Elliott, Theo Riddick, T.J. Jones, Lewis Nix guys, you know, um, Dwayne Haskins, that guys that I've that I have had the ability to coach throughout the years um, will one day come back and say, that's my guy. And, and coach, you did this for me and you touched me here. And when when all of a sudden they're getting married and having children, they want me there. And hey, I'm coach, I'm in town. I'm coming to see you that they're calling my sons on their birthday. They're calling my sons the first day of practice in their first ball games. Um, because of the influence that I've been able to have on them as people, that's what's going to define me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not if I was or was not a head coach. Right. You know, that's just going to be in some magazine or some book somewhere. And, you know, when I'm dead and gone that, oh, this guy coached, you know, these, these amount of years. And, right. But so what? You know, yeah. um, and so I'd like to think the things that are going to find me is, is, is the, the influence that I'm having on young people every single day. And, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I do want to be a head coach and, and, um, and I, and I, and I have to believe that that time will come. And, um, and if not, I said, it will be what it will be. And I, and I have to position myself. I think that, um, in the day, time and age and day and age of what's going on right now within our country and our society, um, I think you're going to find a, you're going to find a change. I do. I believe that. Now, some of that is going to be, I'm going to say this, I think that some of that may happen because of felt pressure mm-hmm. that they feel is going to be applied, not because they really think that that I'm ready or someone is ready, but they just got enough pressure that they didn't. Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, that's not the way you want it. Well, at the end of the day, I, listen, do you, listen, you know, Mecca, if I said to you, listen, you, you can work your tail off for $10 million or someone can give it to you, you got it. Right. Take it any way you can get it. You take it when you get it, and then you have to make something. And then you deal with it. Right. And you deal with it when you're there. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, and and, and V, and I, as I appreciate your question, and I'm hoping I'm answering an articulate way. No, um, you're doing a great job. All I can do, all I can really do, once again, is be the best that I can be where I'm at. And I get both, I can get both feet in the ground where I'm at. Yeah, and 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 do the job that I've been charged to do to the very best of my abilities, and yeah. and hopefully people will notice that. And, well, and, well, I'll tell you from our vantage point, people people are noticing, and we're noticing. We're Ohio State fans. We've been. Well, I was you. born into it. He was born into it, and we are <laughs> grateful that you're Ohio State's running back. Well, I appreciate it. Great and honestly, man. this interview has been phenomenal. You've been very candid. But before we get you out of here, we want to we're going to switch gears. Something totally off subject, something fun, ask okay. you a couple, two fun questions, and then we'll get you out of here. All right. No, you're good. Okay. The first question is, who are your top five musicians of all time? Ooh, 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 yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All Personal right. list. So, so I'm, yeah. so I'm, so I'm going to, this, this is going to, this is, this is going to, this is going to date me a little bit. So, okay. Hey, so the oldies are the clients are the best. That's you know, right. <laughs> so I'm a big Gerald LeVert fan. Okay. You know, big, big Gerald, big, big Gerald LeVert fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, this is going to sound funny. I really like New Edition. No, that's, that's not kinda, funny. Yeah, New Edition was that. Edition, that was kind of. I love New Edition. You know, New Edition was a thing. Um, um, gosh, I love Luther Vandross. 
I don't listen to all that crazy rap that these kids listen to. Just, <laughs> you like yeah, to feed your soul, obviously. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I just, you know. And then I, I love Marvin Sapp. You know, mm. And I'm a V. You know who Marvin Sapp is? You do. I'm a music head. He's a music okay. head. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I love some Marvin Sapp, so I'd probably say those are the top ones. Okay. All right, and then we got one yeah. more for you. Oh, actually, you only named four. You only named four. You right? need one more. Oh, oh man, who would be the fifth? Um, damn. Tony uh, Alfred in the shower? <laughs> no, no, no. I'd probably go with True. True. Okay. Okay. Yeah, comes out. I like that. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, the jam right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, cool. One more, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here. Your top five athletes of all time. Ooh. Your personal list. Mm-hmm. Really, Michael Jordan definitely. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like number one. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that guy. So it's top five athletes of all that I or, or that I've coached. No, just no. Your personal of all time. Your personal. Oh man. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say Michael Jordan's the leader of that pack. Um, man, Lynn Swan, mm-hmm. Walter Payton. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Mm. Yeah, that one got you, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand, though. I understand, though. The goat right uh, there. And I would say, gosh, who's the last one? Man, um, I'd probably go with Carl Lewis. Yeah. Carl was the man, Carl man. Lewis. Carl was Carl's the man. man. Growing up, he was our Usain Bolt. That's what people don't realize. Zach Bell, man, yeah. that dude could get it now. Yeah. And yeah. Even- now, Butch Reynolds, no, good enough. Butch Reynolds was no joke. No, he wasn't. <laughs> and that's Ohio State guy, too. Right. Butch yeah. I mean, I miss, I miss that era of Craig and Phil, Michael Johnson, like, yes. when, when the Olympics yeah. and track was really, really that's filled with stars. Yeah. 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 That was, that's the, great. That was, no, that, I would say those guys that, I mean, but, and that's, you know, there's so many others, you know. Right. Of course. That's, so why we, that's why we do missing, it. We like you know? putting people on the spot. You know, you know, you know, you know, know if, 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 you know, coaching, if I had a, if I could have ever had a chance to visit with Pat Summit. Mm. That's somebody I always, 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 always wanted to sit out with. Yeah, and just pick that lady's brain. And she was special, you know, special. Now you know, and Muffet, Muffet McGraw's up at Notre Dame, just retired. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was another one. I, I, those two, I'd love to just. And well, I did sit on Muffet before, but Pat, someone, someone I'd have loved to sat down and just say, tell me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, to win that that consistently for that oh. long. Yeah, that's yeah, not that's something not different about you. There's yeah, a, exactly. Yeah, you're cut. You're cut a little bit different. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. No, so and you're yeah, and, and while your players love you too, right? Right. <laughs> like, how did you do right. that? Like, no, <laughs> how did you do that? No yeah, doubt. that's no doubt. that's no she's doubt. amazing. But coach, thank you so much for joining us on the Pilot Boys podcast. This has been amazing. Very candid interview. Much success to you and the, obviously the Ohio State football team, and then obviously you your family and your sons as you guys try to navigate this pandemic as well. well I appreciate you guys for having me, and, and I got to tell you, man, your little boy. <laughs> Boy, you can hug him up, man. What a oh man, man, I hug him all day. Thanks, I mean, man. my it. goodness. <laughs> so, so good for you guys. And then, V, thank you so much for having me and, and taking time for, with me to have have me on your show, guys. And best of luck to you. And um, and, and stay safe. No yeah, problem. Go Bucks. All right, Go take Bucks. care, guys. Go Bucks. Right, take care. Love the Pilot Boys podcast. Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as one dollar. We have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash pilot boys podcast 
Show us some love today. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Time to hit some news and notes. You ready, V? Let's get it. That was a great interview with Coach Alford, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I felt he was extremely candid. Yeah, he was very candid. Um, spoke spoke from the heart and also was was honest about the questions that he couldn't answer. And you just really see why that guy is um, so good at his job. Yeah, and he will be a head coach one day. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about college football, though. You know, this – this thing is a mess right now, honestly. I mean, you have – obviously, the Big Ten has postponed or canceled. Um, Pac-12 followed suit. You know, there's been reports that, you know, now that maybe the Big Ten is going to try to play again or, like, Ohio State wants to play. And, obviously, there have been petitions from the parents and Justin Fields, and there's a lot of that. But then you also have the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 – going forward but then now there are all these coronavirus clusters that are popping up on these different campuses um which is putting you know college season in question in a lot of ways right it's like okay well how can you have a college season when all these coronavirus clusters are popping up you had north carolina state happen unc who's now switched to completely online notre dame who's now switched to completely online uh oklahoma football players uh, I think nine of them attested positive after coming back from a break, you know. And so now there's there's the, the real question about whether or not any of these conferences are actually going to play, whether it's safe to play, whether they're safer because they're going to be, you know, with their teams who are establishing all these protocols. Then there's the question of, well, if everyone's going online or if classes end up going online, how can you put these guys um, together and allow them to play. I mean, it's just a, it's a whole mess. I don't even know where to start, but just jump in. Let me know your thoughts and just, just where we are with college football as it stands today. Cause it's very fluid. I think, uh, what's happening in college football is a microcosm of what's happening in our society at large. Right. Which is there doesn't seem to be very much organization and structure around any of this. If you want players, if you want college football and you have a governing body like the NCAA and then these conferences that kind of are put in place to control and dictate and when situations, specifically when situations like this come up, they're supposed to shine and really do their job. Uh, and I think what the failure is specifically has been is a lack of communication. No one really knows what is going on if you every one of these conferences are part of academic institutions that have large medical centers epidemiology um, departments that aren't being given a voice right if you're the big 10 and you're canceling your season you could have avoided a lot of this mess by holding a press conference being very specific and candid on how you came to the decision that you came to and why, what the risk factors are for the kids, what the liability issues are potentially, and just been very transparent. And then I think we wouldn't have as much of this outpouring of, of, of rage from parents and players and coaches. It just doesn't seem like any of this is organized that the, 
conferences are on the same page with each other, that the NCAA is on the same page with the conferences, and that the individual schools within each of these conferences are on the same page either. So it's a mess and it's unfortunate because there probably was a way, a very, very, you have to be very smart if you want to have a football season and very strategic and have a very good logistical plan of how you're going to execute it. It just doesn't seem like that was there. Well, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, college football and college sports as we know it, it may never ever be the same because it's been very, very exposed for what it is, right? The, the reality is that it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And honestly, with without that, you can't have this conversation without also understanding that, right? And like you said, each each conference and each school essentially is its own Fortune 500 company, yeah. right? But there, the NCAA is a is a is an institution where people volunteer to be a part of, so they only have so much power. And as you can see, NCAA has canceled all their fall championships and all their sports, but they don't have any power to determine whether or not these conferences decide to continue to play football. And the CFP is not even an NCAA championship. The college football playoff yeah. is not even the NCAA champ- championship. So the, the with regard to the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten has, hasn't handled this well at all. Uh, even if, like you said, I agree with you 100%. It's not enough to just say at this stage, right? And, and this takes into account some of the things that we've mentioned before in other shows that yep. where we are as a country with, with, with regard to coronavirus is a disaster. And so that's creating a number of problems for people and leaders across the country in terms of the decisions they want to make. But where we are today, based on what we have today, it's not enough to just say we're canceling because of the coronavirus. You can't Mm -hmm. just, you can't just say that, especially when there are, you know, we understand that it's dangerous. We understand that, you know, Mm -hmm. you may not be able to do things safely and testing isn't where it's supposed to be and vaccines aren't here, but it's still not enough to just say we're canceling because of the coronavirus. You have to say why you have to give alternatives. You have to give your plan for the future. You have to give your plan for what's going to happen to, to the businesses and the kids and the eligibility and all this type of stuff. You can't just say we're canceling. Right. So I think uh, if the big 10 had been more transparent, with their decision-making with why and how um, there are even questions about whether there was a vote or whether there wasn't a vote. Like there's a lot of just stuff coming out in the big 10 to me, which is unfortunate because it's obviously a conference that we're a part of. They look like a dysfunctional family. You got parents yeah. complaining, you got, you know, this the president saying that, or AD saying, Oh, we, I'm not even sure if there was a vote. And then you have parents protesting and then you have, you know, obviously Justin Fields petition. It's just a mess. I'm on record saying and I still maintain that I don't think that there's going to be a season really at all I know Ohio State is trying to put figure out ways to play um, some other schools in the Big Ten are trying to figure out ways to play but there are multiple issues lurking in the background one is the coronavirus clusters that are popping up on these schools and the optics of saying okay we're going to move all all of you guys to online but but the football players can can play they can congregate uh, and we're going to have special testing for them every single day that we wouldn't necessarily have for our, our regular students who are, you know, in the history club or in the Glee club or whatever, it starts to put a lot of that stuff in focus. And eventually they're going to have to decide whether or not they're going to essentially admit this is a big business. College football is multi-billion dollar business. And we're going to go play for the money and we'll figure out the rest moving forward. And that's where I think they are right, right now. Honestly, it's a, it's a tough decision. Plus liability is, you know, I, I obviously I should have mentioned that, is a big thing too, because we don't know what the long-term effects of this thing are. And if a kid dies on the field, 
God forbid, you know, it's low chances that that it happens. But if it does, liability here is potentially endless. I mean, and, and, and the other thing about this is there had never been floated out like with the NBA and even the NFL, even if you don't necessarily agree with what their plan was, they realized that they needed to start disseminating information to their players, to their organizations about what the actual protocols were going to be in their attempt. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like at the college football level, we ever saw that. Yeah, And, and that's another problem that I have is were you guys just sitting there thinking that, hey, if we just sit on our hands and wait until August, um, everything is going to go away? No, you have to work your ass off to solve mm-hmm. these type of problems mm-hmm. and come up with multiple plans. And it's like part of that is sharing those plans. I feel like part of the frustration that you're hearing from people like Ryan Day and other head coaches is that we're not hearing why. Mm-hmm. Like we can tell our players why but we're back we're practicing you let us start fall practice Mm -hmm. we have to tell these 18 19 20 year old kids like what's what's the worst thing you can do for a young kid is tell them that you're going to do something or that or give them hope that something's going to happen and then take it away it's like you 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 just can't this is just well then and, and then and then the other thing which i think is really pissing people off too is this idea that there's going to be a spring season right because it seems like a complete sham the idea seems like a sham even though you know i know the 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 one of the hbcu conferences have put out a spring schedule and you know there are other conferences floating that idea it's like what does that look like you know what's going to first of all what's going to be different 3 months from now than what we have now if that if you do believe that there's something that's going to be different three months from now, then say it. Tell us why. Why are we going to be safe for three months from now yeah. than we are now? That's one. Number two, what's the schedule? What does it look like? What does it do for eligibility? Uh, you know, how do you plan to get guys to opt in when they can go to the NFL? What what does that even mean? You know, and, and for a lot of people, they think it's bullshit. They think there's not going to be a spring season. Oh, so you're going to have guys play two seasons in one calendar year, and you're talking about health and safety. So it just seems like. Um, uh, it just seems like a very, very – Pac-12 has handled it a little bit better. They've come out with their doctors. They've come out with, you know, their kind of their ideas. Um, the Big the Big Ten, I, I have no doubt that they have some some logic behind what, what they did, right? I don't think it's just no logic. Um, but if people don't hear it, you know, it's just going to be a sham. But, but, I, but I think that there's a bigger picture here, um, which is college football. What is it? Let's let's all be honest about what it is and what it's been, right? We know that at the outset, maybe, you know, 100 years ago, it wasn't necessarily what it is now. But now it's multi, multi-billion dollar business that so many entities in, in, in local communities need to survive. I mean, there are entities that do 50, 70, 80% of their business for a year during college football season. So there's also that consideration as well as, you know, what it does for local economies. And, you know, teams are coming out with these exorbitant numbers of how much money they'll lose if the season isn't played. It's like, all right, well, then let's reexamine this whole thing. You know, let's not keep let's. And the the reality is, if this whole thing was reexamined and these guys were actually allowed to sign waivers and they had a union and they were able to negotiate, we wouldn't even be in the situation. They would be in the same situation as the NFL and they'd be trying to play. And then you figure it out from there. Um, but one last thing that I want to say about the, the, the coronavirus as it pertains to health and safety that I think always needs to be mentioned. And this is regardless of what you think about how potent you think it is, how contagious you think it is, how deadly you think it is, is that 
it's a the the it's so contagious that it's not just when people are making their decisions about this. It's not just about what you think about yourself. It's also about what you think about your community, uh, how it can affect your community. It's not like CTE or a broken leg, God forbid, things that just affect you personally. It's if you catch it, you now can be a cause of spreading that to the community. And what does that mean? So how do you waive? You can waive your rights. But how do you waive what that could do for the community? And that's one of the things that really makes this thing substantially different than a lot of other kind of waiver conversations is that it's it's not just about you. Uh, and so that's that's another thing that all these conferences and everybody who's dealing with this or de- is dealing with right now. Yeah. And it's just like that's the key word, the phrase that you said. It doesn't matter what you think. I think we have a lot of people who think but don't understand and don't want to accept that their opinion isn't the most educated one, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's operating from what they want internally. That's yeah. what's driving their decision-making. And when it comes to things like this and virus and the science, I keep, I always mention this, that's not the way you look at things. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's scientific and you have to operate from a position of not knowing not a, a position of, hey, this is what I yeah. want. No, I'm going to build my position around what I want. And that's and what here's I'm saying. the thing. Yeah. And here's and here's one last thing. Sorry, I have, uh, I have the meaning to say and I forgot to say, which is the, the, the thing that, that bothers me the most about college football being shut down or anything else being shut down is that it, it, we don't have there is no national plan. There is no community plan. A lot of in a lot of states or a lot of situations to to slow down coronavirus really, and so if if you're if you're shutting everything down, and then shutting down college football is part of that community plan to shut things down and and to flatten the curve or whatever it is, then that makes sense. But when everything else is open in your city, you have bars that are open, beaches that are open, people are congregating at different places, and you know, but then you shut down college football. The campus, this the campus itself. The campus is open. Is open. The campus yeah. is open. You know what yeah. I mean? Then it just seems like okay, that decision doesn't that that decision doesn't make sense. I understand the the fear of coronavirus and wanting to get rid of it and all that type of stuff. But if, if the community at large isn't participating, then you're not doing anything. You know, yeah. and and then also the reality is, and I, is that these colleges, a lot of them, especially college football, they're invested in better testing, better protocols than a lot of other segments of society. So if those other segments of society are allowed to go forward, then honestly, I mean, so should college football. And that's that's the my biggest issue with it. If everything was shutting down, and, we, and we, as a nation and as a, you know, a community, and we're like, all right, this is what we're gonna do, then it is what it is. But when it's not, it just seems like a it just. Well, yeah, and, and and that's one thing that I think if the Big Ten had done a, and Pac-12 had done a better job of explaining their reasoning, mm-hmm. right? Like let, let's let's remind everyone they have the most to lose here financially um, mm-hmm. if football doesn't operate. And I think this was a decision that was made. Obviously, liability being looming largest, mm-hmm. but because of these concerns, right? And so that's part of the issue here because if everyone else is being irresponsible and you're being the responsible party you stand out and you get a lot of uproar against you, but it maybe they are the ones that are making the right decision and everyone else here is being an idiot. And that's the problem here with, with what you said of there not being national protocols. America is a shit show right now. 
uh, yes. when it comes to this virus. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have a shit show when it comes to college athletics. Yeah, uh, that, that's it. So, I mean, obviously this thing is very fluid and it's literally changing minute to minute, day to day. I think uh, the analysis that everybody is making cha- is changing as new information comes in. I personally don't do not think that there's going to be college football this year um, just because I think there's just too much, uh, too much liability, too much potential bad optics, too much co- coronavirus clusters that are popping up on all these universities. And then you're going to have to justify putting these kids out there. I just think there's going to be a lot of backlash, but we'll see. You know, these 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 conferences are acting like they want to play. I believe they do want to play, but I do. Alabama think said they're going to have fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're putting out protocols, but I think ultimately, <laughs> and the SEC is probably going to fight tooth and nail, regardless, right? But I think ultimately, you're going to have to say, like, look, we're playing, and you know. But I think it's different between having a bubble in the summer. And these guys being with you just in the summertime, because they're essentially in a bubble in these individual universities versus actually putting on a season and having them travel and play against other teams and who you don't know what their protocols were and all that type of stuff. But we'll see. So um, obviously we'll continue talking about that. But let's move on. Let's talk of some NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs have finally started. It's, you know, for me as a basketball fan, it's 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 cool to watch. But there are certain things that I think are missing that you can't like. It doesn't seem like they're trying to put in any home court advantage for anyone, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how you do it necessarily, but um, it just has a different feel to it. And not this doesn't take away from the quality of basketball that's being played, but it just has a different feel to it. What are your thoughts just so far on, on what's happened in the NBA playoffs? I mean, to expect everything, like I think we as a society need to start accepting and adjusting to new normals and not pining for everything to be normal. We need to stand up and applaud the NBA for figuring out a way to keep their players safe Mm -hmm. and putting on a season during the pandemic. All these gripes and complaints that we're hearing, I just feel like no matter what happens in America, people will complain Mm -hmm. versus embracing and applauding something that's happening. The NBA has figured out a way to provide us a sport and entertainment, right? And it is going to be different. There is a huge, anybody who's played basketball knows these things. There is a huge advantage to playing in an empty gym, not having home court advantage, not having the fans and the crowd noise and the cheerleaders and all that stuff. But everybody's at the same same disadvantage and it's an equal playing ground. So, Let's get over the let's get over this. Let's embrace these teams because there is a lot of good basketball that I think people are missing. What Dame Lillard is doing, what we saw with the rising stars, all these guys stepping up and the competitive level of the NBA is something that we all need to do. If we care about sports and we all say we love sports, NBA is right here providing us and the NHL too, right here providing us an outlet. Let's not complain yeah. about it. Let's embrace it. And if the season, if the champion has an asterisk, it has an asterisk. We'll deal with that later. But right yeah. now, let's just enjoy the show that we have. I think I think you made the, the the crucial point, which is that two things actually. One is that you said you know people have to start embracing a new normal, not expecting everything to be the way it was and everything to be perfect. Number one, and then number two is just applaud. You got to applaud the NBA. Listen, man, yeah. like they they've come back. They've had no cases. You know, they've been playing for a while now, you know, multiple mm-hmm. games, multiple people have been interacting with each other. Their bubble is working. They've actually shown 
that if the goal is to not have the coronavirus spread, here's how you can do it. Now, I understand they have a lot of different resources that a lot of other people and logistically it's different and all that other type of stuff. I get that. But it's not just that. Right. It's also the fact that they actually had a plan. They've executed the plan to perfection um, up to this point in time. And they're doing all they can to put on put on a show. So if people don't want to appreciate it, that's fine. But I think that, you know, as this coronavirus thing rages on, you know, things aren't going to look the same. So, I mean, either you, you decide to embrace it or you don't. And um, so I, I applaud that. And the NBA actually has, has supported and helped fund this new saliva test, too. So they're not right. just doing what's best for the NBA. They're also trying to figure out how to help the community at large, which is another thing um, that should be should be applauded. But, you know, I think we also should talk some basketball, right? The playoffs have started. Um, some great storylines. Um, I personally think um, Portland is going to upset the Lakers um, in this series. Um, and the Bucks lost, right, in game one to the Magic. And we also have some other great, great storylines um, happening in the first Rockets round of playoffs. Even, Rockets won without Westbrook. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, Harden yeah, is putting I mean, on a show right now too. Yeah. And which, and that's the other thing is that, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> Harden's going to put on a show yep. until the Western conference finals. And that's when we're going to be able to <laughs> yeah, see, is, is, is he, <laughs> he going to be able to get over that, that hump, you know, and, and it's sad. And sometimes I feel like the criticism of him is unfair a little bit. Um, but you know, because he's such a, you know, talented player and he's, you know, carried teams and stuff like that. But then, you know, people want to see you, if you want to be considered in that next elite level, you have to finish in the playoffs. It's just, you know, and people don't want to hear your excuses. And the Rockets Um, have tried so many different, they've tried everything to help him out. Right. Yeah. You bring the best facilitator in the game, Chris Paul, that doesn't work out. You know, before that, they bring in the best, you know, at the time, one of the best big men, Dwight Howard. That doesn't work out. Now they have the Russell Westbrook thing. So you, he can't say that the Rockets aren't trying to build build a winner around him. They're trying everything in their power, too, to build a winner. So let's talk big, big picture real quick before we move on from NBA. Let's talk big picture NBA stuff. So, you know, we talked a little bit about this with Maurice Bob of Bleacher Report on the previous show. But let's talk about championship, right? Let's talk about – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a couple different scenarios, and I want to hear your opinion on what this means historically. Let's say, the, let's say let's start with LeBron, right, because LeBron is mm-hmm. still the biggest name. Let's say they do lose to Portland, right? Um, first of all, I, thought, I think Portland's a terrible draw for them, right, just in general. They're an eight seed, but they're not really in – They match up perfectly. They yeah. match up perfectly, and they got healthy right before the playoffs. So. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's not That is not who you want to see in the first round. They're the Let's Western say. Conference Finals last year. Let's not forget that either. That's what I'm saying. So, they, yeah, they're an eight seed, so to speak, but they're not an eight seed. But either way, it doesn't matter. No one wants to hear your you're, you're the number one seed, and you have LeBron and AD. So what, what, what does that do for LeBron's legacy – if they lose, what does that mean? Does it, is there, does it, is it take him out of the goat argument? Does it, is it just not that meaningful necessarily? Does he have excuses because some of his guys opted out or not playing? Is it significant in any, in any way historically 
if they lose to Portland. Well, let me say this. The LeBron haters are going to be like, yes, he's done. They, mm-hmm. They've already think there's nothing he can do to, to, to make them happy. Right. right. Um, they've already made their decision, but from an objective context, let's, let's look at it this way. LeBron wields a lot of power in every organization that he goes to and oftentimes gets exactly what he wants. Right. Mm-hmm. He, basically orchestrated and for, and said that he wanted AD. He got AD. They yeah. figured it out. They got him AD. They traded a lot of valuable pieces. Personally, I think one of the bigger mistakes was sending, sending Brandon Ingram instead of Kyle Kuzma over to the Pelicans. Yeah. They do not have a reliable third option. They thought Kuzma was going to be it, but he's been very inconsistent. And they don't necessarily have three-point shooters. And that goes back to, is it the GM's fault? Is it LeBron's fault? Is it a combination of all these things? At the end of the day, he has strict liability with this team. You have potentially the second best player besides you in the NBA on your team. You've got to figure out a way to win this series if you are LeBron James, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think in terms of the context of the GOAT argument, like there's no shame in losing to this team this team is loaded and actually they're probably on paper a better overall team than the lakers well right lillard now. also is lillard also is like moving into like all time i mean you're talking about a man possessed out there right this isn't a guy this isn't a team that's just like you know some bums and some you know what i mean like this is this this is this is a real team but that again that doesn't until i mean you know lamont's in this what's is this is this 17th season yeah. Um, so again, that's not to take anything away from Lillard. It's not to give LeBron an excuse. You you still got to win if you're the Lakers. You have to win. You just do. You know. I, I don't like <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. And, and, and in game one, LeBron, you know, he had a triple double and all that type of stuff. And there's only so much that he's going to be able to do. But at the end of the day, when we're when we're talking about goat arguments, right? It's a very narrow discussion, right? It's not like, oh, did you play well? Oh, did you? do all you could it's did you win you know yeah. that's it did you win and that's how he's going to be judged <laughs> and, and the other thing is you have th- that's i think lurking with him is you have the, the clippers yeah. you know in the same city right in the same conference and with another guy Kawhi, who's you know quietly kawaiing right <laughs> right doing his doing what he does and i guess uh the other question i'll ask is what what happens if they win historically where do you where do you feel like that puts if the Lakers win? Oh, no, if the Clippers win. If the Clippers win, I think. Yeah. Regardless of who wins, this championship has to have an asterisk beside it, I think. You know, mm-hmm. now is a championship is a championship. 20 years from now, it'll be a championship. People said the same thing about the lockout shortened season when the Spurs won. But no one's taking that championship away from them today. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing is the asterisk applies equally to everyone, right? I think there's a huge competitive advantage for these this level of basketball player in this bubble. Part of the reason we're seeing these outrageous score lines and stuff is they're playing in a smaller gym. Mm-hmm. Anybody who knows and plays play basketball knows that when you go into a big arena, your depth perception is different than when you're in a small arena with very little background and no fans around. So that's part of the reason we're seeing these crazy, but again, it affects everyone equally. Everyone has to step up to that next level. Um, so 
I think if if Kawhi wins, um, that we've got to give the man credit for taking being the MVP with the Spurs, winning a championship there in the finals, being the MVP with the Raptors, winning a championship there, then immediately coming to an organization that has never won anything and winning a championship in his first year there, despite the circumstances of the bubble, right? Because everyone, whatever adversity there is, all of these great players are dealing with equally. So in the context of that, of the players that exist now, comparisons to LeBron, I think you have to count the championship, but I can understand guys who are in that conversation who didn't have this situation. Could you imagine some of these guys playing in this bubble? Like, yeah. being, you know, they put up 60, 70, 80 points. So that's, that's, so I guess how, my, my thoughts on it too are, 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 I think you, you got to give him credit. Like you said, I think he starts to inch toward, you know, top 20, top 25, um, and, and he has a lot, a lot higher to yeah. go because he, you know. Yeah. So, and but I think that you know, like he's never won a, a season MVP, right? He hasn't. He misses games, all that type of stuff. Again, in the narrow goat discussion, right? These are the type of things that you have to yeah. bring up. Um, but in terms of whether or not he's going to be an all-time great, I mean, I think that's pretty clear that he that he's on his way to yeah, that. He so is. he'd so, have to win. Well, he'd have to win after this one, but this one helps him get toward that legacy like you said absolutely Let's what do you some, think uh, w- w- before we go what do you think happens with lebron you, you we talked about if he loses in the first round i think this is his best for him year 17 this presents his best opportunity to win another ring right considering age and everything what do you think it does for his legacy if uh if he if he pulls it out i think i think Again, it kind of depends on how it's done, but I mean, if if he's averaging triple doubles, you know what I mean. He's breaking records right now. Yeah, then I mean, you know, I think it only increases. I mean, I think, like you said, I think there are a lot of people who put it like this: they say Jordan is the goat, and there's nothing that LeBron can do, nothing that he can do to surpass him, right? And there are a lot of people who think that. And there's some people that think LeBron is already the goat, so anything else that he does just increases his goat argument. And um, I, I, I'm I'm somewhere in between. I'm, I'm I obviously think Jordan is the goat, but I do think that if LeBron wins one in LA in these circumstances, I don't know necessarily know if he has to win another one, right? Um, I think that he's his argument gets a lot stronger. You know, it get, it, get, it just gets stronger. But I don't know if me personally, if I can ever think that. Jo- you know, just seeing what I saw, and maybe this is part of just being honest, right? Part of it is growing up in that era and, you know, being a kid and, you know, thinking back on so many moments. Um, I just I just don't know if I could ever put him over, over him, but I know that he definitely will have much stronger argument if he wins another one. Yeah, I think the one thing I think that people who saw that era see is that in that run that Jordan had when he played – I don't think anyone, even his haters, had any doubt that the Bulls were going to win the championship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, during that time. And I think that that's, that's the one thing here is that um, you have that doubt sometimes with with LeBron. And, you know, there are certain out, outside circumstances of that. Jordan always had the best team. Um, 
but you know that's 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 one little nuance that I think stands out for me is I never ever really thought a Bulls championship was in doubt. So yeah, let's just, let's move on quickly um, to I want to talk about well, I just mentioned the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion WAP that that's reached number one on on the charts. Uh, there's been a ton of backlash from everyone from politicians and all that type of stuff about the content and the lyrics of the song. It is a vulgar song. Very, very vulgar song. It's deliberately vulgar, right? Um, but I, I, my personal opinion on it is this. I think that, you know, there's there's a huge double standard um, in society and not just in hip-hop music when it comes to, you know, men expressing their sexuality. Um, you know, there's songs that we, you know, put it in your mouth and two, any, any two short song you want to think of. And I mean, they're just songs that we celebrate as, as hip-hop fans and, and enjoy and even just regular lyrics. But when a, when a female rapper does it or, you know, we, we, we react to it differently. Um, and I just think it's a, it's a double standard and it's, 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 it's annoying sometimes. Um, but what, you know, it did hit number one and, you know, sex sells. Right. So that's the other thing too. And you said this in other contexts is that a lot of times what we see happen in entertainment or sports or whatever is actually a reflection of what's going on in society. What are your, what are your, now, those are my thoughts. We're yeah. becoming increasingly vulgar society. People are being exposed to sexuality, drugs, everything at a much younger age. Like the culture and entertainment ch- culture just doesn't give a fuck. They just want to sell and they know anything that's like anti or makes people quiver a little bit. That's what sells. That's why the porn industry is so big. That's why the gun industry is so big. That's why the liquor industry is so big. That's why the alcohol industry is so big. That's why the cigarette industry is so big is because that is what people demand. Like, and we, we as a society need to start understanding that personally it's, I don't know if it's starting to be my age, but I, re- I, I obviously hated the parental advisory stickers that used to be on CDs, but I do think there there needs to be some filter because parents now, I, I would hate to be a parent and have to decide what to do with this this culture, right? On one hand, you don't want your kid not to be a part of hip culture or be, be, be present, but on the other hand, you have to make decisions and filter what they see, what they don't see. And I, I just... I don't envy that position in our society today at all because everything is readily accessible. Any kid with a smartphone can see anything. And, and there is no, there is no uncut at midnight there. It's 24 seven, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, um, I don't want this, you know, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I don't want this conversation to just be reduced to, to Meg and Cardi, even if people don't like them. Right. I think that, it's a it's a much greater issue in society. It capi- gets exacerbated by Go the ahead. fact that they're women. No, I was just saying I think it gets exacerbated by the fact that they're that they're women. But this isn't what they. There's nothing they said in that song or that they say in that song that we don't hear from a hundred male rappers a day. You know. And the thing about Cardi and Megan, if if we really want to have the conversation, they're not the ones to be blamed for this. They're young. They were pretty young people who were given an opportunity and said, "Hey, this sells." Right. Mm -hmm. And the content that they're making is selling. Like if there was other content that we thought was popular, that's where this industry would have pushed them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think they're both talented rappers and and Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate. It bothers me sometimes because I feel like their talent is limited because they are making this content specifically to sell. 
Yeah. So, you know, and like you said, I think it's just, it's just society is, is, is different than it, than it once was. And even just via social media and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, it kind of is what it is. Uh, one more thing uh, I want to mention and news and notes before we do some shout outs and get out of here is uh, the, the Mike Tyson and Roy Jones fight being postponed. Uh, it was supposed to be September 12th. Now they're talking about November. And I did some reading up on this uh, this morning and it appears that, you know, there's a, there's a few things. One, you know, Roy Jones is pissed off because he's basically saying like, look, I put my life on hold for this. I'm not a fighter anymore. So when I, I put my time on hold for this mm-hmm. to train, doing it two months later interferes with my schedule and everything else that I'm trying to do. Like I have other stuff that I do and other commitments. You can't just this. I'm not on the fighter schedule anymore. So that, yeah. that's number one. Um, and he's like, and then, and then I also need to be compensated for that. Like I, you know, if I have to go train for additional two months and miss out on all of these other opportunities that I have, then I need to be compensated for that. So that's one of his gripes. And one of the reasons why it's been postponed, one is I think that they were hoping that they were going to be able to get um, fans in there and they weren't, you know, just because of coronavirus, they think November might give them a, a better chance to get fans in there. Two, I heard the ratings weren't necessarily as good as, as they wanted. Right. So, um, you know, obviously Tyson, the announcement made a lot of Tyson fans excited, but then some of that started to wane once it was Roy Jones and even people within the fighting community were like, man, Roy's going to get hurt. You know, Roy's going to get killed. And then there's a, a battle about whether they should be wearing headgear or not be wearing headgear. And for the promoters, it's like, if they wear headgear, that takes away from a lot of the value of our promotion, which is interesting. Cause you know, Americans like to see people get their head beat in. Yeah. Um, but those are all the things that are kind of lurking behind the scenes. But I mean, when I first heard this thing, to be honest, I was excited about the Tyson reality, but I also thought, man, this shit is dangerous for Roy Jones. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, they've never been in the same weight class and Tyson is just looks like he's ready to eat somebody. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, with the Roy Jones side of this thing of, of the concern and fear. Um, but they both did make a decision to have this fight. And I honestly do think like, based on, you know, I'm not reading all the data, but I knew a lot of people who were, you know, who grew up in that era who were making plans around this September 12th date, fight parties. Mm-hmm. People were excited, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do hear what Roy's saying about, you know, I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I don't train. Mm-hmm. Boxing is, mm-hmm. I, and we've had this discussion. I always say this, boxing is the hardest sport to train for go to a boxing mm-hmm. gym put on some gloves work with the trainer just even putting yourself the position of being on your tiptoes the whole fight this mm-hmm. is not easy these guys are in their 50s so yeah. i hear roy completely on from the, from that side of it right but and, and tyson looks scary but mm-hmm. if they're gonna have the fight then then they'll have the fight in november and we'll watch it you know and if there's no fans just just do it. Like, look at the NBA. Just do it. Stop being right. concerned about, oh, it's not going to be the same. Of course, it's not going to be the same. You know, yeah. so just make the best of it. And if it's in November, make the best of it, you know, yeah. and, and figure out a way to keep these guys safe as well. That's important. I agree. All right. So a couple of shout outs and then we'll get out of here. Um, two arrests were made in the Jam Master J case. Hopefully he finally gets justice um, and his family can get some justice there. Yeah, I was sad about that one because they said that the guy, one of the guys on his social media had been every all the time posting 
RIP Jam Master J and always posting about him. That part of it just really, really irked me. Yeah. If he um, is, if he is the culprit, of course. Right. So hopefully we'll see that um, justice there. And uh, real quick, that reminded me of that. I think it's called Sweetie Pies. The, the owner of, of that restaurant, essentially, um, his, I think it was his nephew that was killed six years ago. And mm-hmm. and uh, he, you know, he was on TV crying and doing the videos and doing the whole thing, helping his mom, you know, and all this stuff. And it turns out that he had actually engaged in a murder for hire plot for him, and uh, yeah. was, and had took out some, like four hundred fifty thousand dollars of insurance on the kid or whatever. He was only eighteen. So sad. So you know, so just, that's a terrible story too. Um, and then Stepe Miocic defeat, uh, defeated uh, DC Cormier. This past weekend, shout out to Northeast Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. Uh, yeah, he's a great representative for our state, man. Like, I love that guy. And I think if you don't love that guy, then you got a problem. <laughs> yep. Um, Jason Wright, hired by uh, Washington um, football team in the NFL. He's the first black team president in the NFL. I mean, that's that's a shocker to me. Um, but it's not a shocker at the same time. But sh- definitely shout out to him. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, and I think Coach Alford mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's like the Washington football team is facing real pressure right now to do things. And they are responding like for whatever, even if it's just because of the pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. We are seeing progress. And when people say, why are people always why do you have to protest things? Why do you have to do these things? This is why. This yeah. is progress, right? He's qualified. Yeah. He deserves yeah. the job. But if none of this happened, do you think the Washington football team hires him? No. Who knows? Yeah. And it's unlikely. But one thing we're definitely seeing, and, and, and this is definitely a representation of that, is is change change in all levels. Uh, and then last thing is shout out to Nipsey Hussle, um, his 35th birth. what would have been his 35th birthday on August 15th um, just passed. And it just, you know, anytime – anything happens with Nipsey it always just evokes a lot of different emotions so um just wanted to shout shout him out and uh yeah you know, he inspires me we'll live on he inspires me every single day of my life absolutely all right that's all we have for news and notes you're listening to the pilot boys podcast ondo media here in columbus has been working with us to keep the pilot boys in production during the pandemic as well as getting our youtube videos going it's all about telling your story to your audience so give john at ondo media a shout you can find all of their media consulting at ondomedia.com. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Coach Tony Alford. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mecca.music and V is at The Swant. And don't forget... Grab some Pilot Boys wristbands and face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. And always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out! Pilot Boys, we get on up!